Hey, what's up, my people? Hope you've all been good. Welcome to the show. So tell me, how are you finding those first two episodes of season three then? Or are you new here? Either way, be sure to hit follow on social media and let us know. The handle is kickback underscore Nadem, like always. And we exist on Instagram and on Twitter. We slash I will reply to as many of you as possible. So make sure you give it a go. Who knows, eh? Now, I wonder if you'd be able to figure out today's guest. Because in recent weeks, he's been doing quite well. But I've got to admit, I don't think he was that clued up in WSL players, even though he should be. Even though he should be. So full disclaimer, I told him which team he was going to be this week. So if he gets it right and he gets it right with all his chest, don't get seduced by his thinking. He had a massive leg up, okay? So without further ado, let's get to it. Yudi, how you doing? Yes, I'm good. Thank yeah. you for having me back. Yeah, are you ready to just like think through this whole situation, try and figure out this week's guest based on the fact that you know you know so much about every player in professional football, regardless of gender, league, whatever? Listen. I'm not I'm not making any claims. I'm just letting the results be for themselves. <laughs> to be fair, you're two for two at the moment and it's kind of I'm annoying. Just, I'm just saying, I'm undefeated. It's yeah, it's kind of annoying. It's kind of annoying. So what's your charity gonna be this week then? Should you um should you make a correct guess? I don't see this is I have one in mind, but like I don't wanna I don't wanna jinx it. Let's okay. get to that point first. Okay. And then I'll reveal the charity. Like, okay, okay. I'd prefer if you gave it now so that you did jinx it, but sure. We'll we'll get to we'll do it how you want to do it, because obviously it's your <laughs> show. Yeah. So <laughs> for any so for anybody that doesn't know, Yudi's gonna try and he's gonna attempt to guess today's guest. He's gonna get three clues. He's gonna be able to ask three questions, and then he's gonna get three guesses. But we might change this for next week. But for now it's those three. The three threes. So are you ready to go? Let's go. All right, cool. So, <clears throat> she won a bronze medal at the 2016 Summer Olympics in Brazil. Yep. Mm -hmm. The second clue, she scored the quickest ever goal in women's football at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the final clue, she scored in the final of the FA Women's Cup in 2019-20 in the game against Everton. Mm. So she plays for C, right? Yeah, you've you've just obviously just figured that out. Yeah, you've just yeah, figured that you. out. Like, I'm a clue smith. All right, so she plays for C. Yeah, because um, you remember watching the game, don't you? So obviously you're a clue smith. I actually player. did. I actually did watch that game. Oh, yes, okay. I actually did. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because you say it, it makes it so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So nationality. Hit me the nationality first. Uh, Canadian. Canadian, okay. <laughs> and position, please. Traditionally a forward. And what was, before she moved to City, what was mm. the WSL team that she played for? New Jersey Sky Blue. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. <laughs> I'm sick of this. See this? See this? See this? This is this is. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I know exactly what you're gonna say. Go on. No, you don't. I'm gonna go Janine Becky though. That's where. That's. Listen, it's been great having this feature with you, but you will not be coming back again. You will not be coming back again. But what is your charity this week? Mind the mental health charity. I like it. I like it. So that you're three from three. The people seem to like you now. You're doing well. 
and we're learning a little bit about the guests as well. So please, after I pay this money to mind, just sit back, relax and enjoy as I head over across to Manchester again to speak with the Canadian international Janine Becky. Hey, what's happening, Janine? Just recovering from yesterday. <laughs> ah, yeah, of course, of course. And obviously, like you said, you wanted it to score a goal. And lo and behold, you scored a goal. I said it. About time. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you, made it, you made it reality. I love that energy. Absolutely love it. Right then. So, to begin with, I did my research on you and all that stuff. And I've got so <laughs> many questions to ask. Like, so many questions. And, you know, I hope you do share them. But I want you to just understand from the get-go, I don't work for the press. Okay. So any of these little press answers, I'm not, I'm not really going to stand for it. I'm afraid. Are you good with that? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm good at that. I can handle that. Okay, perfect. But ironically, I'll start with a question, which is press related is in the fact that you scored at the weekend and that must always be nice, especially in such a big win. So there you go. There's my press question. There's my first one. <laughs> that is a very press question. Yeah, I was definitely due for a goal. Would have enjoyed more than one. Definitely had my chances for more than one, but uh, yeah, can't be too upset with with a 7-1 win. Um, and yeah, I just keep going. I think it was a, an important win off the back of a really disappointing loss uh, midweek. So yeah, it was good to get a goal. It's always good to score. Okay, cool. Well, that's it now. I'm not going to do that again. I promise you that's the only time I'm going to ask a question like that. Okay, so did my research. Born in Colorado, is that correct? Yep. Lived in Canada for a little bit. Is that correct? Technically... Mm, kind of I've never like actually like lived there the only time I spent there was for like six months when we were doing a residency before the 2015 World Cup but I've never actually lived there with my family so there's like that's the problem about doing research on the internet about my story is like people just like to make things up yes. and it's gone a little bit wild okay so just so we're clear I didn't tell you that I was sort of asking the question so you lived in Canada did you it's, it's like just listen to the tones you lived in Canada it's kind of a question like a leading question so no i never actually lived in canada okay um okay just spent i've just spent a lot of time there okay so moving on from that you were obviously good at do you want to call it soccer or football i need to set the tone from early what do you want to call it we have to say football i just can't i can't do it anymore i can't do soccer anymore it doesn't sound right you'll go far you'll go very very far so <laughs> you were very good at football in high school and you went to texas tech so firstly having been in the united states recently and seeing the sort of college football system why texas tech because i don't think they're they're not one of the powerhouses as such are they no when you look at like college athletics and college it see it sounds weird calling it college football because that makes me think yeah, of uh yep, yep. like american football so when we say college we'll say soccer that'll be our only rule okay um so when you look at the college soccer world and women's women's soccer in college it's like the ucla unc stanford like those are kind of the standout schools and when I was being recruited, um, I, I wasn't very heavily recruited. And once my recruitment came, it kind of all came like at one time after a particular tournament that I played in. We were playing in the regional championship um, with my youth team and I had a good tournament. And kind of after that, the interest started and it was pretty soon after the interest that I decided that I was going to go to Texas Tech. So why Texas Tech? That is a very difficult question, but um, it was okay. between there and um, University of Maryland for oh, me. Okay. So those are my top two. And uh, Maryland was hard because I, it was so far from home. Okay. And I knew I wanted to leave, go somewhere where it was like too far to come back for the weekend, yep. but not far enough to, to be able to drive. 
So that was a great, a big positive for me. The other thing was I, uh, when I got on the phone with the coach, who's actually still the coach there and a very good friend of mine um, named Tom Stone. He was just like so easy to talk to. Um, definitely a salesman. He's very good at selling the school. So okay. we had a great first conversation. I went down on a visit and kind of just fell in love with the school. And what was important to me was that I went somewhere that I could get playing time my freshman year mm-hmm. because I had so many friends that went to like these powerhouse schools and they didn't get on the pitch until they were, you know, in year three. And I didn't want that, um, which I would go back and do it all over again okay. the same way. I had such a good experience. You know, this is perfect. I just ask one question and you talk for three minutes and I just sit here and take it all in. This is, this is the perfect show. <laughs> this is exactly what I needed. This is exactly what I wanted. So it's interesting then that you chose, it's inter- interesting that you chose them. And, you know, you said you weren't heavily recruited in high school and stuff, but were you seen as a national prospect or not really? Were you really that far under the radar? Um, I, I want to say I was kind of in the middle. Uh, I, I was a late bloomer on okay. the, on the football scene. I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. I ran track and played basketball in high school as well. Okay. And so it wasn't until probably my second year of high school where I really had to kind of think, you know, what, what do I want to pursue post high school? And for me, obviously that ended up being football, but, uh, Maryland was actually offering me an opportunity to, to play football and to do some track. So that was really, um, kind of attractive to me. But then when I made my decision, I thought if I really want to go where I want to go in football, I need to specialize in that. So, um, I, I was on the U S national team scene, like the youth scene mm-hmm. when I was in high school, because that was before I had ever played for Canada. So I spent, um, probably two years in and out of the national team pool. And then it was the, when the under 20 world cup came around in 2014 was when I went to play for Canada. So, um, I wouldn't say I was like under the radar, but I definitely wasn't like one of the hard hitters mm. in my day. Mm. You know, I said this was like a perfect interview just before. I got to change my mind now because I was going to walk through the journey with you, but now you're racing ahead and you're leaving me behind. <laughs> no, no, no. Go back. Go back. No, I can't, I can't. It's already out there. You know what I mean? The genie's out the bottle. The toothpaste is out the tube. It doesn't go back in, but I'll try and figure this out. I'll try and figure I this like out. That never heard that before the toothpaste doesn't go back in it the does tube. not go back in that. the tube if you try and do that there's something wrong with you but anyway you've you've taken me on a tangent because i'm interested about the so the whole track star thing what which events did you run i was a hurdler uh, oh okay so are we talking 110 or are we talk 400 or 110 or 100 did you say 100 meter and 300 meter so i did both wow psycho your psycho. and actually the 300 meter hurdle was my favorite race it's, which most oh, people would probably sick. not uh, agree with and then i was uh on both the four by 100 and four by 200 relays uh, and my relay team won state back to back which is pretty cool you know um i am um, i won't call myself shallow but it's very easy for me to have a favorite player for a team that I support and right now is janine becky without question right now without oh question to hear this this is because i used to run track as well so to hear someone else that did that and was playing football he's like i'm looking at you and i'm like oh my god I, I remember this i remember this feeling that's top. That's the life. Listen. Living life back then. Yeah. But one thing you did anyway while you were in college, according to the internet, stop me if I'm wrong, but it said that you played in the USL Women's League for a year or something. Like, what exactly was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh gosh, I don't even remember when that was. I think that was the between year two and three for me. Um, I went to Seattle for the summer and played on the Seattle Sounders, like, semi-pro team is what we called it. So mm-hmm. I wasn't paid or anything uh, because that would have been a violation of NCAA. 
NCAA rule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was my first kind of experience with, um, with pros. So there were some actual pros on the team, but that was during the time where there wasn't a, a women's league in the state. So all these really good pros were playing in the semi-pro league. So as a college player, I got to play against, you know, some of the best players okay. in the world, um, which was crazy. Um, maybe when we meet in real life, we'll talk about the NCAA pay thing because I'm sure you might have some views on that. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Okay, let's put nothing on record for now, though. We love the NCAA. <laughs> we love college sport. It's great. Yeah, it's incredible. But um, So if you're in North America then, and I, I emphasize North America because I'm trying to include Canada as well in this conversation. If you're there and you want to one day be a professional, do you have to go through the college system or do you think there are other ways to, to go around it? I definitely think that's like when, when an athlete thinks, oh, I want to go pro, you absolutely think I'm going to go through the college system, mm -hmm. especially obviously in the States. But now that I've spent some time with some of my friends that grew up in Canada and played the youth system there, I think they have a bit of a different view on it. Um, but same thing, like a lot of them, their, their goal was to come to the States and go to college and then potentially go pro after that. But I've learned so much about how it happens over here um, versus how it happens there. But yeah, I think it's just a cultural thing. Like that's, if you're a, if you're an athletic kid, if you're an athlete in high school, your goal is college athletics. Yeah, uh, and that's just kind of how it is. You know, with the college sports situation, college athletics in the USA. I'll be honest. For somebody who's lived in Britain, I never had any idea how big it was until I went over, and then all of a sudden you realize, like, poor, like football on a Saturday, it hits different. All the biggest stadiums in America are for college football teams, and they're always full. And it's like 100,000 seat stadiums. And I'm like, hmm. And this is basically the equivalent of somebody who's at Manchester Uni just down the road. Hmm. Okay. This is, this is different. This is different. But I, I get it now. And I'm happy that I get it because it's, it's now affecting what I watch during the day as well. So I do enjoy watching <laughs> English football. But, you know, I'm like, oh, what time's, what time's the college basketball? And when's, how long till March Madness starts? Stuff like this. And I would never have understood what was going on before. But I'm with it now. I get it. Oh, converted. my gosh. You just... Oh, you're speaking to my heart. March Madness is my favorite time of the year. Yes. By far. College, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, my favorite thing to watch. By the way, Texas Tech men's basketball was in the national championship game last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, 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 we okay, obviously, okay. we didn't win and pull through. Listen, but you're not there anymore. You can relax. Don't say we. Don't say we. You were playing for Man City. Let's not give it the wheeze. <laughs> that's, that's another thing about the States. You have a team, you have a school, and it's we. Yeah. And in fairness. Forever. That's, that was a big thing which I realized over there again is like for the pro teams, it's essentially franchise so they could move around every single year. But those colleges have been there for the longest time. So the fan bases there are more similar to, say, football teams around the world than, say, to trying to compare it to like an NBA team or something like that. Like it's, it's so different. Absolutely. It's very similar um, fan-based culture like with English football mm. and then college athletics because mm. the – the fan base is deep, deep-rooted. Yeah. There is, like, actual hatred between rival schools yeah. in the state. Who were who your rivals in? Just Texas or anyone or someone else? There's, I feel like the Big 12, it's, like, everyone. Uh, you, okay. hate, you hate everyone. There's, like, so I would say we don't really hate TCU, Texas Christian University. We don't really have gripe with the Kansas schools. But then when you, like, get into University of Texas, OU, Oklahoma State, mm -hmm. those are, like, Texas A&M. Those are, like, real, real rivals. Yeah, I love this. So what was the best thing, then, about your time at Texas Tech? I mean, obviously, apart from being the all-time leading goal scorer for the school. But, you know, <laughs> we don't need to talk about that because, you know, it's there, it's there for people to see if they need to see it. 
Oh, there were so many things. Honestly, I think it was just being part of an athletic department mm-hmm. was like a big athletic department. Cause obviously Texas Tech is a massive school. Um, and so everyone's just, everyone just loves sports. So to be able to call yourself an athlete and to be on a team and to be able to be involved in that and be friends with all the other, <clears throat> excuse me, all the other athletes, I think I enjoyed kind of that relationship mm-hmm. uh, the most. And then it's always, there's honestly nothing like getting on the pitch and representing your school. Like it's different than high school. There's a little bit of it, but there, I don't really know how to describe it, but it, there's just something really special about um, being, being an athlete that represents, represents the university. You know, it's so interesting speaking to you for the very first time here, because I've just said that you were the all-time leading goal scorer for a school and you didn't even mention it. You just like, ha, like, ha. Like, yeah. like it's just an everyday thing. That's not an everyday thing. That's incredible. Why is it, why are you so blase about it? talking about myself um I mean yeah it was great I that was another reason like I was so thankful I got to play from the moment I got there because those kind of things don't happen if you don't have the time on the pitch Mm -hmm. um and I mean I'll give you a press answer right now I had some really good teammates um and some really (laughs) good players behind me so I will say I did not make a lot happen for myself they they put it on a platter for me I just got the glory um just to clarify other people have had teammates who have helped but they have still not become the all-time leading goal scorer for anybody so even though your teammates did help it was you putting the ball into the goal so credit to you record break thank you i had a good time it's a nice record to have okay so while you were there then was the goal to always turn pro or did you have times where you were thinking about other things no that was my goal once i had decided in high school that that's what i wanted to pursue that it was like full steam ahead okay and for the people who have not seen you play yet or haven't seen enough of you, or even to mention the time back then, what was your style of play like when you were in college? And why was it so successful for you? Uh, definitely, like, play the ball in behind, run onto it. Just I was just a raw finisher in the box. Um, I, think my, I think I could use a little bit more of my ability to finish, but I had a gauge right now. Right. But, um, yeah, I think I didn't have a lot of, like, finesse or like cheekiness to my game I was just like put the ball there I'll run and get it and I'm gonna score um I didn't really ever do bits to like really get by people um I wasn't someone that dropped into the midfield to combine with other people which is a lot more part of my game now um but yeah I just think that our team was so tailored to that style of play like let's put a lot of pressure on back lines um, you know, get in behind. So I think if you went back and watched some of my goals from college, 90% of them would be a result of somehow the ball getting behind the back line. Okay. So in trying to listen and understand what you're trying to say, I believe what you said, stop me if I'm wrong. You said you're ba- in college, you were basically Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that's what you just said. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, Definitely. cool. That's it. That's, that's the clickbait, everyone. That's the interview. Thank you very much. That's it. We're rolling. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's um, that's interesting. Then, so, hmm, let me let me think about this. So, you were playing like that, and then, so then, do you think that's why? Do you, actually let me let me let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. So, when you completed college, because obviously you excelled at it, going into the draft with a record behind you, did you expect to be drafted quite high? Like, I want to know what the process of going into a draft is actually like. Because one thing about American sports, which a lot of people over in England and like don't understand even from the draft level, is that your whole life can be changed in an instant. 
And it's not a case of you necessarily have a choice in it either. From when you're pro or whatever, you basically go where you're told to go. And you have to be there at this time. You have to just do this. Okay, so I'm settled in Kansas and now I'm going to go and play in Seattle next week because someone said I need to go and play for Seattle next week. So what, what's the draft process like and what, what were your expectations going into it? A bit mad now that I've been over here um, to see, you know, and to experience how things work here. And there seems to be a lot more stability in mm-hmm. contracts and lifestyle, being a footballer over here, which has been really cool to experience. But I'm also glad that I've had the contrast of that. Uh, so going into the draft, I had a bit of a different experience because by that time I am going to jump ahead again. I was oh a, gosh, I was a senior. I was capped with the senior national team with Canada. So what happens is there's what's called allocation in the NWSL, which means that the, it's just for American and Canadian players. So the U S soccer association and the Canadian soccer association actually are in charge of paying your salary. So what they do is they pretty much give your salary to the team and then the team pays you. Okay. It's a bit odd, but good or bad I don't really know it kind of gives the national team a little bit of power over where you're at okay and so when I was going into the draft um I had a pretty good idea of who was going to pick me and where I was going to get picked so it wasn't like a huge surprise to me um obviously I got drafted to Houston and Houston had three picks in the first round so I was unsure of which pick I was going to be but it was pretty clear that I was going to go there there were a little a couple ups and ups and downs, you know, I didn't get picked in the first two for Houston. So I was like, Oh my gosh, are they actually going to pick me? And then it ended up being, I got picked eighth overall by Houston. So it wasn't a huge surprise to me, but it is that way for 99% of players that get drafted. They have no idea. And all of a sudden you're, you know, say living in California and New Jersey selects you. And two weeks later, you're on the other side of the country. Not for you. Yeah. So in that draft then, so it was you, Rachel Daly and who else for Houston? Uh, our name's Carrie Ricaro. She went to Notre Dame. Actually, I'd played with her at the, at the youth level for the national team. So I knew both of them. Um, and yeah, they got picked for me. So I knew some of my teammates before I even got drafted. Well, you know, I'd love to know um, how your game translated into those uh, early days in Houston then. Because obviously you said you were playing for the national team. But, you know, now you're in a space where you're surrounded by professionals as opposed to some people who are in college, you know, who don't necessarily have the same aspirations that you do. So how do you reckon you did in those early days? The whole, like, before the draft, making my senior debut on the national team into making my transition as a pro, honestly, I look back on it, it's like such a blur because it all happened so fast. Um, But I think I'm really grateful that I had the experience of a little bit of time with the national team before I was thrown into a professional environment because I got the feel of, you know, what are these kind of players like? What's the level? Um, So when I got to Houston... Houston was still quite young when I first got there in terms of it hadn't had only been a team for, oh gosh, don't quote me on this, maybe three years, okay, three or four years. Okay. I think that's right. Um, but so it was, they were still in their building phase. It wasn't like I was going into this franchise that had like a ton of success. And I think that would have been a little bit more intimidating, but I just remember kind of going in training well, um, just having a massive opportunity to, to get on the pitch because of there was just not a, a lot of numbers in my position. So, yeah, I actually got a bunch of playing time when I first started with the team. And my first year was the Olympic year. So that was 2016. So it was a bit like I was there and then I was gone at camp and there. So it was hard for me to really get my feet stuck in to being in Houston. But, um, yeah, I, got, I did well when I first got there. Um, and then, to be honest, struggled quite a bit the tail end of the season and then my second year there. 
Wow, that is unnecessary honesty. Nobody was asking you about that. Let's, get, <laughs> let's not talk about those times. I mean, if anyone saw me play there versus how I play now, they'd well, probably well, agree with me. It's funny you say that because I was watching you. Like, to, I'll be honest, I didn't know that much about you before this interview now. So I was doing all my research, just seeing everything. I've seen your traces across the internet everywhere. I was looking at everything. <laughs> and, I saw, and I saw your first goal. And I thought, that's such a nice goal, such a nice finish. And what a great feeling for your first goal at home. I think, was it the first game of the season as well? April, it was, yeah. April 16, something like 2016 or something like that. I have a good memory. I don't even know that. Well, you know, somebody's got to do this. So it was around there. It's a great finish. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, let me see how big a celebration is going to be. And I was like, oh, what? She did nothing. I'm literally the worst at celebrating ever. Yes. And it's, I can. It's I, been a common, common trend in my career. And you, you doubled down on that this weekend against Brighton as well, because I saw you score. So I said, let me see the goal, troll through the internet again, saw it. And she was like, ah, I put ball in goal, I move on. That's it. It was seven, what, it was either seven nil or seven one at that point. And I almost felt bad celebrating, but I just like, it happens to me in every game because I had two or three chances before that goal that I should have scored. So by the time I scored, it was more like, oh, finally, than it was, oh, that's really great. You know? you know, I like this. I like this humility. But just so you know, I think I'm humble, but I would celebrate. Just putting that out there. It'd be a little fist pump I or something. Celebrated I celebrated the last one. goal I scored before this one. And I got so much heat from it from my team from my teammates and because they thought it was silly. And I was like, You guys, I don't make fun of you when you celebrate, so don't give me that. Oh, so they got in your head then and then you decided not to celebrate again. I mean, I wasn't really actively thinking about that yeah. at the time, but yeah. maybe, maybe subconsciously. So when was your last goal before this weekend? Everton, which was back in November, okay. beginning of November. So you've had time to think about it. Been a while. Mm, I've, I've, I've been on worse uh, droughts than that, so I'm not going to say too much. Uh, so you mentioned <laughs> the, the uh, Olympics in 2016, yeah? And did anything in particular good happen to you in that, in that Olympics or anything? <laughs> me up right now i don't know what's going on listen i didn't i didn't ask for you to be on the show for me to talk about myself because that is a little bit crazy so please did anything happen i don't i don't know yes the olympics was great uh we'll start with the biggest thing we won bronze congratulations congratulations Um, just barely missed out on the gold medal match which is still hurtful um but yeah i scored Within 19 seconds of our first game. So, so that was a nice start to the Olympics. Sorry, did you say 19 seconds? Mm-hmm. Is that, that must be like the quickest goal ever or something. And is, <laughs> it was before Neymar broke it the next week. Ah, uh, so it's Neymar. Okay, okay. So it's Neymar, then I mean, you. That's the ranking. in women's history. But... Okay. And you didn't even want to tell that story. This this level of humility is staggering. No, you I weren't. Was... No, you weren't. You said- I had to set you up. To <laughs> you, were never gonna, you were never going to talk about it. You, you finished, when you mentioned the Olympics, you finished off by saying, and I was really bad in year two. Like, what? What's that got to do with anything? Well, that was just a story. I figured we'd go back. <laughs> 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 okay, 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 okay. So, looking back now, how do you perceive that time, those first two years with the Dash? Do you think you did well, indifferent, could have done better? How do you feel about it? I think I... I didn't find my full potential when I was in Houston. Um, and to be, well, we're, we're being completely honest on this, this yes. podcast. So yes. I think I was saved a little bit by the fact that I was a national team player and there just wasn't a whole lot of competition for my, my spot. So I think I got kind of the benefit of the doubt to play probably when I didn't deserve to. 
Um, so I'm thankful for that experience because I obviously got, I was on the pitch, but looking back on it now, I definitely think that there was a lot of opportunity there that I didn't totally take control of. This, this whole humble thing, it's like, it's freaking me out a little bit. You're saying the things that nobody, yeah. nobody ever says, they just keep it to themselves, but instead you send it out to the world. And in some ways, in fact, in every way, I respect it a lot. I respect it a lot. Oh, thank you. I love this. Yeah. And what would you say your best memories were there? In Houston? Um, I, I loved living in Houston. I, it's such a cool city. Uh, it's a place that people have a lot of passion for. If, you know, they're born and bred there or you, you live there. That's a great sports city. And it's, the, the stadium's unbelievable. BBVA Stadium. It's right mm-hmm. in the heart of downtown Houston, right next to the Astros Stadium. So it's just a, yeah, it's a really great environment to be a part of. And definitely an amazing city to spend the first two years of my career in. Okay. So I, I would like some honesty again with this topic, okay? Because you've mentioned it a few times, I've mentioned it a couple of times, we've not really explained it. So, like I said at the start, you were born in the USA, you didn't live in Canada, you've never lived in Canada, you spent some time there, you've never lived in Canada, but you play for Canada, and at one point you were playing for the USA. So what happened to make you go from the USA to Canada? Yes, very good explanation. Thank you. very clear. Kelsey, I'm not listening. Kelsey, I'm not listening. Clear road. I'm getting old. Yeah, I respect that. It's great. Um... So I was out, I was in the US youth system. I played the uh, under 18s age group and just the beginning of the under 20 cycle. I was with the US and then um, was in was in the group was in the the crew that was going to be selected for the under 20 World Cup. Uh, but I wasn't super confident that I was going to make the roster. And this was around the time that I got a phone call from the, at the time, the U20 head coach was Canada. And he just said, we've been tracking you for a while. We understand that you're a dual citizen. So you're eligible to play for Canada. Have you ever thought about, about playing for us? And I said, honestly, not really. Um, and he said, we, we love to have you come to our next camp. No strings attached. If you don't enjoy it, if it's not for you, no hard feelings, go back and play for the U S because with FIFA, you can, I don't know what the limit is, but you can jump around different countries if you have the ability to when you're still at the youth level but once you cap you have a senior cap with one country you're either locked in or you can petition to FIFA to get out of it but anyways so I decided to go to the camp and I just fell in love with it I just loved the girls I fit in really well I knew I was going to have a big role on that team if I decided to stay Uh, so after a lot of different conversations a lot of difficult conversations um, I decided to to try and make the under 20 roster with Canada. And I did and ended up playing in that tournament. And that was the tournament where the head coach of the senior team at that time was with us for that whole tournament. So he, he got to know me and got to see me play. And it was later that year that I made my first start, not start first, but I made my debut for the women's national team with Canada. So that's kind of that story. Fabulous. And well, to be honest, 70 caps and 31 goals in five years, leaving you fifth all time on the scoring charts would suggest that you've probably made a good call, but you know, <laughs> I think so, I made the right decision. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's my, it's my simple logic, but doing the math, it seems, it seems to add up to success. But, uh, as well as that, you're the second most experienced attacker on the team right now. Did you know that? Behind Christine? Behind the Christine. The Christine Behind Sinclair. the goat? Oh, she's, uh, you know, I'm glad you said that. You've teed me up perfectly. Thank you for chesting that one down. So when I was in the U.S., <laughs> I watched, I, wa- I was watching NWSL every week because like we had the Utah Royals in the same building as us basically. And I loved being a part of that culture and seeing how they played and so on. And there were certain players in the league who I looked at and she was one of those. And I thought, wow, she's, she's really good. She's like really, really, really good. I was like, let me do some more digging. I was like, oh my God, 
she's been really, really, really good for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. Uh, she, is, she is top. And what is it? She's got 186 goals in 296 appearances just for Canada alone. I'm like, hmm, that's, that's all right. That's all right. That's, that's, that's special. Actually, that's special. Do you She's think- absolutely unreal. Yeah. And like, I'll be honest, like, let, let me lay it out on the table here. I've got some friends in the league or who were in the league, some friends still in the league. So I'm good friends with Rachel Corsi, who's in the league. I was good, I'm good friends with Vero Baketha, who's now AC Milan. I'm good friends with Becky Salbron. And apart from those three, there are, the, there are the people I'm friends with who aren't as prominent, let's say. But looking at some of those players in the league, like a Christine Sinclair, like that's, oh, that people have to watch Christine Sinclair play football because it's great. Like, that's it. Simple. I don't need to say anything else. Just watch. Yeah, there's no other reason to watch other than you watch. Yeah, just watch. Cause she's, she's really good. But do you think her record will ever be caught? Oh, um, it's going to be a long time, but I do. Um, just the way that the, well, whew, that's a double-sided coin because the way the game's going is that the game's getting more competitive and the gap between countries internationally is, is, is shrinking. Um, but I think what's most impressive about Christine's record, which is potentially why I don't know if it will ever be broken, is she did that with a team that she had on her back. Mm-hmm. Like, she scored so many goals when, when she didn't have players like Sophie Schmidt and uh, Jesse Fleming behind her to, to set her up for goals. She made so much happen by herself. And I just feel like there's not a lot of players in the game right now that can create as much for themselves as she does. Yeah. Now I, that's obviously arguable, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I just think with where the game's going and the competitive nature, I don't want to put a limit and say that it can't be broken, but I think it'll be a long time. Yeah. Don't. And also you don't want to put any pressure on yourself since you're the second most experienced player in the national, in the forward line for the national team. So if anybody was to break it, the next in line is technically you. I mean, I mean, if I can play another 10 years, I will be very impressed with myself, oh, but I'm not sure that, that I'll. Yeah, of course uh, you will. I'll try and get as close as I can. But of course you we'll will. See. 26, you've got an endless amount of time in front of you. Let's not uh, worry about that. My Let's, body might disagree. Nah, but that's only because you had a game yesterday. Any other day, you're fine. <laughs> All right, maybe you're right. Okay, so how did you feel then, going back to your career? How did you feel when you were traded to uh, Sky Blue in New Jersey, especially given the fact that you had basically played every game for Houston the season before? Yeah, again, raw honesty, I was completely caught off guard um, by the specific move, not that I was going to be traded. I had a pretty good idea that I was that I was going somewhere. Um, and I have an immense amount of respect for the Houston Dynamo Dash organization. Um, but it, it was a difficult situation. The way that they handled it was difficult for me. Um, and I would have appreciated some more communication having been in the franchise for two years, having been, you know, a consistent player. It wasn't like I was just someone who never played and yeah. wasn't really part of things. So I think that's the unfortunate part about the way that the NWSL and quite frankly, the MLS are run. Like it's just, the player doesn't have a lot of control, doesn't have any control really over what it. happens. And, and that's difficult to, to handle. So yeah, I actually found out about the trade in the middle of a training session. Um, I was with the national team at like a, what we called a mini camp. So it wasn't an official camp. It was just some of us that were able to go up to Toronto and get some training in, in the off season. 
and my I picked up my phone because it was I knew it was happening. Yeah. And so I picked up my phone and I just had like all these missed calls. So after the training session, I finally got back on the phone and found out about it. Um, yeah, I was just really surprised, but I was optimistic. I knew I needed a change. I wasn't getting the best out of myself in Houston. I was, I think, my own fault. So yeah, I was, I was looking forward to a new journey. But yeah, going to Sky, going to Jersey was difficult for me. Um, I really, really enjoyed so much of my time there. Um, but obviously, quite soon after I got there, I left again. So. Are you doing this again? Oh my goodness! We walk this road together. You don't just race ahead, okay? Sorry, I ask you a question. Really bad about have, that. No, it's fine. You can want to keep talking about yourself. That's fine. That's, that's fine. You do that. You just keep doing that. No humility. <laughs> can I ask your opinion on something? This is completely off topic, but in relation to the whole yep. trade situation. So you saw the, how James Harden recently went to Brooklyn, yeah? And as, yep. as the headline came in, it said it's like a three-team thing, a four-team thing involving this many players and this many picks. And that was the first installment. And the next thing, Victor Oladipo was playing for Houston. And I, all I could picture was Victor Oladipo sitting in his house, getting a notification saying that all these other players are moving elsewhere. And then all of a sudden, he gets dragged into it. And now he's got to leave his family, go to Houston. And that's just like normal. Like, I know they get paid a lot of money. But that level of sort of insecurity about where you're going to be at any particular point, that can't be good, can it? Well, especially someone like James Harden, who's like a Houston icon. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's just in Brooklyn. Yeah, just like that. And then everyone who was in Brooklyn is now just spread around the United States because James Harden wanted to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, James Harden was desperate to go to Bagatelle or whatever, just in New York. So he said, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going. I know you guys try and figure it out. But then I suppose that's the sort of the weight of a big contract in, in American sport because for it to be moved around, it's going to cost a lot of things on the edge. And it's just a shame that, you know, it's great that that moves worked out for him. But for other people, you almost feel like a, a pawn as opposed to a significant piece on the board. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, you know... I've gone sideways. Please excuse me. So you play 15 games anyway, I think in New Jersey. And then before you know it, you're on your way to Manchester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was this, was the, that move as sim- similar with the other ones in terms of how it came out of the blue or did you have some type of knowledge about it? Absolutely came out of the blue. I had told my agent that I was interested in, in move, making a move overseas. Oh yes. And it was such a, it was such a vague, like, I want to do this at some point. I'm not in any rush, but I was, I think I got a little bit of a reality check when I got to New Jersey because I wasn't playing unless I was playing really well and I wasn't playing well that season. So I just was, it was really inconsistent whether I played or not. Um, and, and just from a football perspective, I wasn't very happy. And so I, I wanted to move. I didn't have any idea where that would be. Definitely didn't expect it to be in England at the time, but um, yeah, it was, it was an unexpected move, but obviously one that's, that's worked out pretty well. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that. And um, as you found out the deal was going to come, was going to happen. Did you have any worries when you were finally boarding that plane to head over to a new world? It all happened so fast that I don't even think I had time to think about it. Literally, from the moment I found out that City was looking for a forward to me signing my contract was less than seven days. Okay because it was right at the end of the transfer window. And so we were absolutely cramming to get everything done on time. 
And it's not the same as just, you know, like moving a couple states away. This was you're about <laughs> yeah. to move to another country by yourself where you don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get ready. So, yeah, I think it just it was such a whirlwind. Um, I was just trying to get my life together that I got over here and it was like I didn't remember anything <laughs> ah, <okay. laughs> between arriving in England and the whole thing starting. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what exactly do you have in a travel pack to go and start a new life in a new country? Like, what do you what do you? What do you pack? What's in What's in your bag? What's What do you need to get over? I don't remember how many bags I had. I probably had way too much stuff. I tend to accumulate things very easily. Uh, I know I had a full bag of shoes. Yes. I know I've got literally an entire suitcase just of shoes. Yes. Uh, and then a lot of adapters for my plugs because I that's my. I'm just gonna go off topic for a second. Why is that a thing in the world? Why can't we all just have a universal outlet? <laughs> It literally doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Okay, it's over. I know what you said. A lot of I brought. Uh, and then, yeah, I just was like, bring a lot of warm clothes and hoodies and, and sweatpants. And uh, that, that was the beginning of my journey. Okay. Okay. So what were your first impressions then of the club and the city itself? So impressed by the club. Um, I was so jet lagged when I got here, got out of the car. I stayed at the stayed at the academy for the first week that I was here while everything was getting sorted. And I just remember like, oh, you can go up and, and get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> that is just like beer. <laughs> and then the, the training pitches were like right outside the door. And I was just like, this is so different than anything I've ever experienced. And it's just such an incredible club. Um, and I just kind of thought to myself, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? Like so excited. And then you do all the media and the pictures. And I was like, I just hope I look like I'd I'm, I'm all right and I don't look like a zombie because I was so tired uh but my first probably six months at the club were a little bit crazy because I had to go to and from North America for a couple national team camps so it was a bit of a I didn't really get settled until after the new year yeah I was gonna say I was gonna ask you how long it, it, it took before you felt you were fully settled at the club and felt like a significant part of it I think it wasn't until actually my second season that I really felt like I had made my mark on the team and that people really knew who I was and what I brought. And yeah, last year was really important for me to kind of cement myself mm-hmm. here. And I only signed a one year deal when I first signed. So I had, I, if someone would have asked me, how long do you think you're going to stay in England when I first signed a contract? I'd have been like, I'll be back next year. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm in my third season and I've almost been here for three years. It's wild. Again, you've done something there. You've not told a full story. You've been equivocating. You've told a misleading half truth. You talk about years, but you've just signed a new contract, have you not? I signed a new contract, yeah. The way that my contract was, it was kind of weird. So my first contract was a year in an option. Mm-hmm. So after a while, they just said, do you want to sign your, new, your same contract again? And I was like, okay, sure. So for my second year, I signed the same contract. And then they offered me a new contract last season, and I did sign that um, back in April. Okay, so that's two years, yeah? Yeah, and it was my, yeah, it was a long-term deal, so two-year deal. See, flex, tell them, tell them who you are. Yes, yes, for everyone who can't see that, she was flexing, she was massive, yes, love that energy. How long was it then, do you think, before, and this might, this question might not have a true answer to it, but when did Manchester start to feel more like home as opposed to just a place where you go to work? It took a long time. Um, I think, honestly, it's felt more like home than ever since I got back this summer just because I haven't left. So I've been here since July because of COVID haven't been able to travel. Um, We haven't had any national team camps. So I've been here and that's been 
hard because obviously the lockdown's not been easy for anyone. But yes. also, I've really, really appreciated kind of having to just be here and then be present. And I've just, I love it so much. I, I love the city like I've never loved it before. And um, yeah, I definitely, there's definitely been times where I've felt like this is home, but then I go home and I'm like, oh no, this yeah. is home. Home's but now home, I yeah. actually feel like I, I do have a, a life here. I have friends outside of football. Um, it's not like I just go to football right now. I go to football and come home, but mm -hmm. in general life, it's not like that's all I have, which it took a while to kind of build a foundation of. Um, I don't know if this is too much of a revealing question, but whereabouts in the city do you live? Because I spoke to Zach Stefan recently and he was in the city center. I think he was in the penthouse, at, you know, one of the big places, whatever, as, as Zach does. But whereabouts do you live? I live actually like 10 minutes from Zach, just like towards the facility. So I live in Anco. Oh. Um, oh. And yeah. Oh. Listen, you're speaking to somebody from Manchester. I get it. I understand everything you've said. That's cool. Nothing more needs to be said. It's good. But the place has changed so much from when I was younger. Because Ancoats was never really a place where people would choose to live. But Everyone oh, said that. Ten years ago, no one would even step foot in Ancoats. No. And I'm like, and now it's the place to be. Listen, just, just, just uh, to talk about my story, my underdog story of coming through, I used to live, um, I used to live five minutes away from Ancoats. So I know that area very well. And it's not an area which I ever desired to go back to. Let's just say that. But now, you know, you're in the new Ancoats where all the millionaires live. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Definitely not one of them. So, <laughs> got to be surrounded by them. All right. So, for all the time you spent in Manchester, then have you picked up on any of the lingo yet, or not? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. And I don't really notice it until I talk to like friends from home or my family, and they're like, "What does that mean? Yeah. Or what are you saying?" Uh, a couple of I say proper. Yeah. yeah good. 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 Proper. Good. Yeah. I say to be fair. Say that a lot. We overuse that in, all the it time. It really works, though. Like it works. So often. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm not mad about it. Uh, okay. I have a Manchester story. Go. So, when I first moved here. Yes. And everyone kept asking me, you okay? And I was like, do I look like there's something wrong with me? Because everyone <laughs> keeps asking me that. And not for like three months did someone tell me, no, it's like a greeting. Yeah. No one told me. Everyone just let me suffer in silence. And now I say it. So, is that, that's the wrong way. Is that the same as in America where someone says, how you doing? Yeah, like, hi, how are you? Yeah, like, because some people will be saying that and I'd be responding and ask, and they're just walking away. And I'm like, ah, okay, you don't actually care about me. That's a shame. <laughs> I don't like that, actually. I don't like that people say, how are you? And they actually aren't interested in how you are. They're just saying hello. Like, just say hello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, oh, if you want, just say hello and goodbye and just keep walking. Just keep it moving. Yeah, Yeah, cool. exactly. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Um, so do you know what uh, the word kex means? Kex. No. Okay, you need to learn that. That's what you call, that's the word for pants, like trousers. You see my keks? I've never heard that. Yeah. Uh, how about, uh, you must know this one. You must know what a butty is. A butty. Come no. Oh my goodness gracious. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's a sandwich. So if I said something was sound, what does that mean? Good. Yeah, okay. And how about if something, yeah, like, yeah, tip top. How about if something's, I'm going to say it in a Mancunian accent. How about something that's hanging? Like, that's, like, no, not about it. Yeah, you know what? I got a lot of time for you. You get it. You get it. You get it. You get it. <laughs> yes. I've got a lot of time for you. You want to ask me these questions like a year ago, I probably would not have yeah, done. Just... But, but we're here. We um, made it. So now you've played in the Women's, women's uh, Super League and in the NWSL. What would you say the biggest differences are between the two? I definitely think they've the gap has closed between the two in terms of their differences since I moved here. 
but every time I get this question, I always say the the American League, American soccer football is very physically based. So um, big fitness capacities, high speed, balls in the air a lot of the time, uh, transitional based. Whereas over here, I think it's a lot more tactical. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, top to bottom of the league, teams play out. Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said about both. There's definitely the, the pros and cons of both. Um, and I think as players have, you know, started to, to transfer leagues, they bring the style, and um, which is great for the game. Um, and I think the more that we can be influenced by, you know, a faster-paced game, and the American League can be influenced by really high IQ technicians and, and possession-based coaches or players, I think it's just better for both. I'd like to apologize for asking you a question which you've been asked a thousand times before. That's not my intention, but I'm trying to lead into something, so please excuse me, okay? So, again, you've played in both leagues. How do you think you get both leagues to grow? Can they grow in the same way or does it have to be something different for each? No, I think that the key for women's football and we're seeing it here and we're seeing it in NWSL too is investment mm-hmm. in the game. Um, and as much as it's annoying to say that that investment is monetary, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, big corporations, big companies backing these teams uh, and getting the game on TV more mm. often oh, than it is. Gosh, uh, yeah. So that people can watch the game. I mean, it's, it's 2021 and it still frustrates me how much I have to, you know, people ask me, where can I watch your game? And I'm like, it's just, it's so hard to, for people to find game info. Whereas in the men's game, like you literally Google, uh, Man City, Man United. Mm-hmm. And it literally says like Sky Sports yeah. or whatever right mm-hmm. there, but it's not that easy for us. So I think the investment is the number one thing, but I also think, uh, players having, experiences in different places so it's been absolutely 100 percent the best thing for my game to have come here and i think that it's great experience for british players to go play in the end of itself or in germany or in sweden or anywhere um i mean you look at the best men's leagues and it's top internationals from all over the world all over these teams yeah to piggyback on something you just said there um in terms of the visibility I it was one of the banes of my time when I was in America trying to watch the NWSL was for the first two seasons, if I wanted to watch the Royals, if their game wasn't on like the local broadcast, you'd have to go through like Yahoo. And I'm thinking like, I've not had a Yahoo account for 20 years. It's not <laughs> that that's where I'm being sent to have a I know moment. exactly what you're going to say. You know what I mean? Like that's, that blows my mind. And then even in the summer just gone with the, um, with the Challenge Cup that was in Utah. So I, I was there. So I was lucky enough to be in the stadium for a couple of the games. Well, that's great. No, that's privilege. But <laughs> anyway, let's not get into that. But even with that, if I went to watch the other games, there were two games which were nationally televised, which was the first and the last. And the first game, and I think the last, had bigger audiences than the men's MLS's back tournament in Florida, which was very significant, I thought. But then all the other games for the tournament for the women, you had to subscribe to CBS. Access, yeah. Yeah, and like, it's, it's fine when it's a week free. If the tournament lasts for a week, people will do it. But it's that next stage. You know, if you want to get true commitment from people, you, you have to make it more, for me, you have to make it more visible. But then in terms of visibility then, what do you think is more important? Do you think it's more important to invest to raise the standard or invest to have it more visible right now? 
Yes. It's a hard question. Oh, yes. Um, Everybody gets one of those. I feel like because of the state of the world right now, because television is the only way people are seeing sports, absolutely television, if it's non-COVID times, I think investment in getting the best players to clubs is, is top. I think that <clears throat> it's difficult because when you look at like Premier League teams, the discrepancy between the guy that's paid the least on the roster and the guy that's paid the most on the roster is like massive, but the guy that's paid the least on the roster is probably paid the majority of the budget for the women's team. Yes. And like, that's been a conversation for ages and I'm not, you know, daft enough to think that we could go there tomorrow and that I should be making 50 million pounds or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's, that takes time. I hope that the women's game game gets there at some point. I don't know that it will. That's obviously crazy, but that needs to, there needs to be a change in that. Where's the line Mm -hmm. between that being like almost offensive and being understandable Mm -hmm. because of, like, I think I hate to say it, but I think popularity really, really impacts the women's game way more so than the men and i think that's that's really unfortunate if you have a name you tend to be on the higher end of things and if you're not very well known you tend to be on the lower end i am in a great place in this moment in history right now because you've opened the door for me to have a huge rant you've done it you have done it (laughs) thank you so from my time in the usa getting to know players within the team getting to see how the game is perceived overall one thing about football in America is that it feels like it's driven by the stars in quotation marks in the same way that it kind of is with some of the other sports. But some of the other sports have had such a big history and, you know, like the Lakers are still the Lakers, whether you have a LeBron or you don't. It's the reason why the Knicks always sell out, even if they're one of the worst teams in the league. But in women's, in women's football, I always found if I was going to a, a Royals game, it would be we're advertising the game based on who's coming because Megan Rapinoe's coming because Alex Morgan's coming, because such and such is coming. But those people, if they come, or if they come, fine, great. Like the standard is great because these are like some of the best players in the world. But the league itself, the people who play the most are the ones who are paid the least. And the ones who, who basically seem to prop up the league, you see them the least, they're the least visible. And they don't, it feels like they don't have to play. And for some of them, they choose not to. So the ones who do want to play and do play, they're doing their bit, not just for themselves, but for women's football itself, you know? And that to me is like, that's truly growing the game. You know, at the top end, there's more to be done to get people what they deserve, but there are people down at the bottom who don't have a voice. And you, you may, in the point that you're making, you never named a figure, but the two of us know what the figures are in terms of how much people earn in say something like the NWSL. And down at the bottom, the figure itself, like I find it embarrassing. I really, really do. And I find it incredibly unfair because they, as I say, they're the ones who will play the most, who you will see the most, but they're getting like, it's, it's borderline whether you can even call it a career, you know? And that, that, that pays And me. they're doing the most to get on the pitch. Exactly. Exactly. And they have the most insecurity because tomorrow they might be traded to Mars. You know what I mean? You just don't, you don't know. And it's, there's a big, there's a, it's, it's a tough thing to say, how can you grow women's, football and women's sport in general without having to rely on stars because the stars are the ones who get more casual audiences and stuff but like in america for example the the national team are a very very good side and as a consequence they sell out stadiums but then you might see for example with new jersey and it's like one two thousand people but it's 
You know what I mean? That doesn't, for me personally, that doesn't sit right. Like I know some people listening will be very critical, but you know, if you want to tweet me, whatever, tweet, we can have a debate. But it just feels, it just feels, it feels wrong. I want the, I want the game to grow for everybody. I want women's sport to grow for everybody, not necessarily just some of the people at the top who obviously work hard yeah. and are very talented yeah. and deserve the credit that they have. But I, that's the re- this is the reason why, for example, I'm good friends with Becky Salbron, because for as great as she is, she's for everyone and she wants to grow the game for everyone. She is like you and doesn't want the light to be shone on them. But if the light is shone on them, they'll use that moment to help everybody. You know, and that absolutely, yeah, and that, she's great. That that to me feel that to me feels so key. But there's not enough of that, and it's it's painful to, as I say, to hear some of the salaries and stuff like this. And I think, oh my god, no way is that a thing. But it's a thing and it's something that needs to be addressed. But unfortunately, it needs to be some of the people with the larger platforms that need to say it because otherwise it's not going to be heard, which is a which is a crying shame, really. Yeah, I think there's so many good things that are happening in women's football right now. And I was having this conversation with actually some of my city teammates the other day. And the thing that I, that I love about women's football that I don't want to change is I do feel like there's this, again, double-sided coin because... I feel like something that is very different from the men's game is that we're much more accessible as yes. women's footballers than, than men's footballers. And yep. I think that that's such a positive thing. Sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating, but it's so, so important for the growth of the women's game that, that those of us that are playing it promote it and talk about it and talk about the bad things and the good things. Um, and I think just like being a part of a club like City, who has invested so much in its women's team and has seen the the benefit of that. I mean, yesterday we just celebrated our seventh anniversary, seven trophies in seven years is, is no short feat. No. And we've been very, very close to having more trophies than that. Um, and if anyone's looking around the world for a model that works, that's, you know, obviously there's still a ways to go, but a model that works look at something like this and, and granted city's like a massive club and I get that not everyone can be that way, but it's even in, so important for like this conversation that I'm having with you and to be at this club is fantastic, but there's still so much work to do on the women's side. And I think what you just nailed it, we need people like Becky Sauber and we need those, those people to continue to fight the good fight for the sake of women's football. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't want to like put all the, the fate of women's football on her shoulders, but she's somebody who sort of understands the need for it to grow for everybody. You know, growing it for a few doesn't grow the game at all, you know? And yeah, um, oh God, I, I can't believe you took me to a place where I just ranted on mic and it's going to be existing out there in the world now. And people are like, yeah, but what I are you talking about? I think it was a about? fabulous rant. Rants are not bad. That was great. It's just, it's literally because I, like, I saw the people, I, I literally saw the people who were playing for the team who were on next to no money whatsoever. Like of my friend, Gabby Vincent, who's a rookie two years ago and all this stuff. Like I know how much money they earn. I see how much work they put in. But one thing as well, which I meant to say, in terms of us speaking now, Every time I've spoken to a female footballer on the show, the interest is higher than for a lot of the men as a percentage of how many safe followers and things that they have. Because when it comes down to the women, the people who really support you, they care about you and they care about everything about your story. And that type of fandom is like, that's, that's so good. You have this, it's not just fair weather support. This is like ride or die support. These people, they love you. And that's something else that I love to see from my side to be able to give somebody something like this 
and know that when they listen, you know, they, they'll be hanging like, kind of like I am because I'm fanboying a little bit, but they hang on to your every word because it means so much to them. Like what you're doing now is laying, creating a pathway for somebody else in the way that you play, in the way that you speak, in the way that you act. And that's, you know, that to me is like, that is essentially the soul of the game itself is what can you do for those who come after you? Because obviously doing what you do yeah, is, is great, but there's yeah, definitely more so to important. it. And that, can you imagine it? Oh my God, I seamlessly just went into something. So when I was um, doing some more of my research, um, I noticed you had a YouTube channel. So for me, <laughs> I'm a bit of a YouTube nerd. So I was, I was kind of geeking out. So I've been, re I've been going through, throwing you a few likes every now and again. So yeah, you can have one for this. You can have one for that. And I'm thinking then, in terms of people I know, you're probably one of the only ones that has a YouTube channel that's a pro as well. But why did you actually start the channel? And what were your, what were your goals for it long term? Well, it's been, it's, it's really hard to have a YouTube channel. Yes. I definitely wasn't expecting it to be so hard. I also have a podcast, but... Um, Was it Brewing with Becky? Oh, yep, that's the one. Plug, plug. Um, it's also hard to do. Um, yeah, so getting back to the question... My motivation for doing it at first was I just got, I did one with the national team back, I think it was like two or three years ago. And it was literally like on my phone. I edited it myself and I just got so many great responses to it. Like, this is so cool to see because it's all the things that no one ever gets to see. And yeah, there are certain things that no one will ever get to see because that's being a pro athlete. But I just thought if I could open the, the women's footballing world a little bit and give, give people a little sense of, of what we do and, and how we do it. And I also just, I'm just a big personality. I love to have fun. I love to be around people and I love to pull the camera out and, and get some funny things every now and then. So I figure, oh, let's see if we can, we can make this a thing. So I actually work with a company that helps me edit the, the vlogs and the podcast, but it's been really fun. It's been hard lately because obviously there's not a whole lot going on. So I've been trying to brainstorm and, and get some people on my podcast, but it's, it's come to a bit of a screeching halt for a few months, but I'm hoping to, to start up again here soon. Okay. And what's been your favorite video so far? The axe throwing was really fun. Yeah, axe throwing's um, good. That's good, yeah. <laughs> but I think from like a visual perspective, I love the Champions League travel vlog to Lugano, Switzerland, because it's just such a beautiful place. And that was actually quite a like busy trip. So uh -huh. that was a fun one to do as well. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. Believe it or not, I threw you a like for that one as well. I'm not quite sure yet, but I'll do that. I'll do that. But all this anyway, I can tell you're quite young and you're quite humble. Keep talking about all these things that you're doing, but you're not plugging anything. So this YouTube channel, is it just like someone just goes onto YouTube and there it is on the, whole, on the front page? Or do people have to search for it? And what's the name of it? If you search my name, it will come up. It's called Being Becky. Okay. There we go. And my, we already talked about my podcast. My podcast is called Brewing with Becky. There are a few episodes on Spotify. But all of my podcasts are also on my YouTube channel, so you can check those out. I'm actually recording two podcasts this week mm -hmm. with two teammates of mine. Okay. So we'll, okay. we won't spoil that, but hopefully those will be out in the next couple of weeks as well. Okay, that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you finally like doing your PR job and promoting yourself. And you said, oh, we spoke about the podcast. No, no, no. I, did, I told the people what the podcast was called. That's okay, not yes, my job. That's your, that's your job. He did. Credit him. That's your job. That's your job. <laughs> So well, a birthday post then, when I was doing my research again, a birthday post from mancity.com reads, you're admired for your positivity, friendliness, and hard work. Becky is regarded as one of the loveliest and most dedicated people you could meet. So question one is how much did you pay somebody to say that? And question two is what actually makes you be like that as a person? I uh, took a month off of my salary for that. Oh, it's worth it though, to be fair, because that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's going nowhere. 
I mean, that's such a lovely thing to say. It makes me get all flustered and uh, a little bit shy. But I think I just, it doesn't cost anything to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't cost anything to just give a little bit to someone in their life and, and put a smile on someone's face. And I just, I'm a really happy person. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. I'm so thankful for the life that I have and the place that I'm in and the people that I get to meet and communicate with and, and have relationships with. And for me, life is about relationship and, and just enjoying each other's company. And so I, I love to be around people and I love to just give as much as I can. And I get so much from, from being around people and, and having a laugh. So yeah, I mean, that's such a lovely thing for someone to say about me. I'm very glad that, that someone feels that way about me, but <laughs> who I am. <laughs> have you, have you always been like that? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm a, one of four, four children. Uh, so I have three older siblings and I just, I've been someone that's just been around people for my entire life. I, I do enjoy my alone time more than I ever have as I get older, mm-hmm. but I get my energy from other people. I get my energy from laughter and, and good times. So it's just, it, it's what fills up my cup is being around other people. And you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. So <laughs> yeah. got to keep that cup full. That is a fact. Let me have a moment to confess something here. So before the show, I'd done my research on you. I'd heard you speak. I'd seen what you were like in front of a camera and so on. But I wasn't sure how this was essentially going to go because, you know, you might have seen me and be like, oh, God, another person to speak to today and all this stuff. But thankfully you weren't. And it turns out I'm really, really, really enjoying speaking to you, even though I'd never said a word to you before this point. So please stay in my life forever. That's all I'm going to say. Happy to. Happy to. Okay. So this won't be our only conversation. Don't worry. Yeah, I love that. So a bit of fun, yeah? Um, who in this world would you most like to befriend? Like to be really, really close with anybody. Could be celebrity, could be someone down the road. Who would you who would you pick? Oh gosh. Uh oh my gosh, I can never oh. I'm gonna really botch his last name, but John Krasowski. Krasinski. 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 Yeah, he just seems like good people, you know? Just yeah. like good vibes. Obviously, he really became popular for his good news thing during the beginning of COVID. But he's fa- he's just a fabulous actor. Seems like a really good dude. I think uh, I would I would gain a lot of laughter in my life if he was my friend. Is he uh, is he the guy from the office? Yeah, okay. that's, that's like such a hard question because I feel like there's probably at least a dozen people I could name. But when I think about like feel good, he was like one of the first to come to my mind. Okay, and. Well, this is a big reveal. Who's the, who would you say the most famous person in your phone book is? <laughs> oh, gosh. Most famous person in my phone book. I've got a feeling you're going to say something like wild here, like, oh, it's, you know, Beyonce, because, you know, we were both in Houston for a little bit or something like that. Mm. Thinking that's, it a, that's a really hard question. Um, because you have so many because you have so many people uh, no because i don't i don't have that probably like alex morgan okay okay it's just 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 pretty big as far as the the world of like sport goes i guess yeah the alex yeah. morgan i met drake once but i didn't grab his number so didn't you, you didn't <sighs> no oh, what way to be fair he seems like the type of guy that changes a lot anyway so you probably didn't miss out oh you would have to yeah. you would have to 100%. yeah 100 who would you most like to play against in terms of a player not a team Uh, I, uh, 
Uh-oh. I haven't played against her in club yet, but I would love to play against Kitty Buchanan. Okay, and why is that? Just because uh, we have such a great relationship as Mappleteen teammates, and she's such a baller, um, and she just she's so good. But I would love to just be able to like score on them and then be able to to say that to her. Yeah. Actually, we have played against each other. What am I saying? I played against her a bunch all the time in college. We played against each other, and I did score on them. Yeah, to win the big one. And a little so, flex. What am I saying? Yeah. But definitely, I would definitely want to play against her now that we're both pros. Okay. And who would you most like to play with? Uh, Marzan from yeah. Germany. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah, she's nice. She's nice. She's nice. How about? Who in the history of the game, even to this point, would you most like to be coached by? Pep. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think most people would be saying Pep. You know, I'm retired, but I come out of retirement for Pep. And Pep on that. Yeah, that's, that's what's <laughs> happened, yeah. Which trophy would you most like to win? The Champions League. Which team would you most like to beat, say, if you played in the final? Uh, I think it would be incredible to beat Leon because they've just been so dominant for so yeah. long. Mm-hmm. Um, but Atletico Madrid has knocked us out the last two years. So if we got them in the final and beat them in the final, that would be like the ultimate revenge. Okay. I respect that. Love that. Hope to see that. Would you rather win the Ballon d'Or or win a World Cup but not actually play? Oh. But see, that seems like a tough question, but I absolutely would want to win the World Cup, be on the team. But yeah, want to it's because you're so humble. You don't, God forbid, if you were named the best player in, in the world for a whole year. No, I would no, love no. to be the best player in the world. It's one of my goals, but I think I would, it would mean so much more to me to win the World Cup. How about an Olympics or a World Cup? World Cup. So you're one of those, okay? So you're one of those football, football people. Because considering you're from the Czech I mean, world. I mean, maybe that's just because I've, I've won an Olympic medal, so I know what that's like. And it's, yeah, I mean, the Olympics are the epitome of all sport. Yes. So it's insane. Um, but as a footballer, I mean, your dream is the World Cup. Okay, so how about the Champions League then or the World Cup? The World Cup. Say, say no more. She's passionate about this World Cup. I'll tell you that for free. Are you, um, so the Brewing with Becky concept, is that because you're a big coffee drinker? Absolutely. That's so, so firstly, have you been around the city? Do you know all the independent spots? Do you know all the places to go? You do? Yeah. You gonna give any yeah, shout? Yeah, all, all of them. Go on then, give me a shout out. T- tell me a few. Oh, Cac, Trove, uh, Just Between Friends, Fig and Sparrow, um, Anko's Coffee Shop. That's like so many already. Okay, that's cool. So you are you are legit then. A federal. Yeah. Have you been across to say Dean's Gate and been to like a PKB or anything like that? Yeah, Pocket of Black, Grindsmith. Yeah, PK, yeah. PKB, is, that's my friend's place, so I'm just going to send a little plug out there to the uh, universe. PKB, PKB, PKB. And are you, um, are you a sneakerhead, or did you just have a lot of trainers when you were coming over? I'm absolutely a sneakerhead. Right. It's, it's a little bit out of control. Okay, so if from this point you had to make a decision as to whether you'd never buy a coffee again or never buy a pair of sneakers again, which would you choose? I'm a... Necessity standpoint, I think in, I would have to go on. say that. <laughs> no, no, but you've got your current set. Think... You can't buy a new pair. You can't buy a new pair ever again. What you have is what you have. Uh oh. I I could never I I would 
stay with the coffee. I have to be able to have coffee. Really? Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 I respect that. I respect that. So, uh, one final question then. I would like to know a five-a-side team of all of the best players that you've played with. And bearing in mind, some of these players may be good in 11-a-side, but I want the best five-a-side team possible. Okay. 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 Am I? I'm not in that. Absolutely not involved. The ego. Just leave yourself out for a second. <laughs> Karen Barsley in goal. Yep. Uh, play this, play this. Kadisha B. Cannon at defense. Mm-hmm. Kara Walsh in midfield. Christine yep. Sinclair up top. Ah, oh, say less. And Caroline Weir. Yeah, she's good for a goal at the minute, isn't she? She's, yeah, she's um, just, I have no words. <laughs> okay, cool. That's, that's exactly what I want to hear for the podcast, everyone. She has no words. She has no words. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings everything to a close. I'm sorry I've kept you for so long, but I really, really enjoyed myself. So that's why I did it. So thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Welcome. Of course. Well, I can't say welcome to my city because you've been here more than I have for the last few years, but this is still my city, okay? So everything comes through me, but welcome. All right. Thank welcome. you. I yeah. love it here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's all we need to hear. Thank you very much. Of course. So there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And a big thank you to Janine as well and to our incredible producer, Mr. Ryan Hale. The man is literally running the show from 5,000 miles away. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future shows and don't forget, links to the Kickback playlist can be found in the show notes. It may not get mentioned a lot, but give it a listen and let it speak for itself. Bye for now, guys. Bye.